Well, thank you, Pastor Dave. Uh, and as Pastor Dave mentioned, I've been the pastoral intern here this summer. I just first wanted to say how thankful I've been for both Pastor Dave and Pastor Bob. They've just both been so great to me and just so kind. Um, I also want to say thank you to all of you for just allowing me to feel so welcomed and loved. It's just been so cool going from, you know, growing up here in the church and running around as a little kid to now getting to be the intern here and serving with you guys. Uh, it's truly just been so awesome. I'm also very thankful for the opportunity to preach this morning and to get into God's Word with you all today um, and to continue along in our Biblical Worldview sermon series. Before we get into our message today, I'd just like to ask that you all please come to the Lord in prayer with me now. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come before you now. We just ask you uh, for your help today, Lord. Um, just pray for everyone in this room, God. For those who know you, I pray for growth. They may draw near to you, Lord. And if there's anyone here in person or online that does not know you, Lord, I pray for salvation, that you may come and work through your word today, God. God, we thank you for your love and just pray that you alone may be glorified today. Pray this all in your name. Amen. Well, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you would know that we've been going through our summer sermon series on worldviews. And so each week, you've been taking a look at a different topic of the worldview and a different question. And last week, Pastor Bob talked to us about the topic of identity, the question of who are we? And the week before that, Pastor Dave talked to us about the topic of origins, the question of where do we come from? And this week, we'll be coming up to our next topic, which is the topic of meaning, the question of why am I here? What is our purpose? And this is such a great worldview question because it is so vital for both us as believers and those who are non-believers. Because the truth is the enemy can truly use this question of meaning to turn our hearts away from God towards the things of this world that think that our purpose is not found in him. But the good news is that we serve a God who is greater than the enemy. And the darkness will not overcome God's light. And God's purposes for us will prevail. And we see this in Colossians 1.13, which says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. And while the question of meaning is an important question, it is also a very interesting question in the biblical worldview. Because if we look back in Genesis, we see that we originally had a meaning and we had a purpose when we were first created. And that purpose was to glorify God by being his image bearers on the earth, to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. But as we all know, because of our sin and our rebellion against God, that left us as slaves to sin, stuck in darkness, unable to live out this meaning and this purpose in our life, and unable to glorify God. But glory to God, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins through his saving work on the cross so that whoever believes in him for their salvation is forgiven, redeemed, and set free from the power, the slavery, and the punishment of sin. It's through this glorious gospel that we once again have our hope. It's through this gospel that we once again find our meaning, we find our purpose in life, and we are ultimately found in Christ. But what is this meaning that we have in Christ? What is our purpose in Christ? Well, today our focus will be that our meaning and our purpose in life is to know God and to make God known. Let me say that one more time. To know God and to make God known. And so for our first few weeks, we've been looking at the book of Colossians uh, for the question of origins and identity. But this week, as we talk about meaning, we'll be moving over to the book of Philippians. And our first point today as we talk about uh, meaning is that we exist to know God. 
And the main passage that we'll be looking at today is Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 11. And starting in verse 4, it reads, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And in this passage, Paul is talking about his reason to have confidence in himself for salvation. He boasts about his obeying the Old Testament law, his circumcision, and his other accolades from before he knew Christ. And if we take a look at this passage with a worldview lens, and we ask the question, what was Paul's ultimate meaning and purpose in life before he knew Christ? It is clear that his ultimate purpose in life was in his own acts of self-righteousness. And today, as we look at the American secular worldview, we see something very similar. While it may not be devotion to the Old Testament law like Paul, we do see people finding their ultimate meaning and purpose in their devotion to other things and not in knowing God. In fact, in 2017, Pew Research Center conducted a survey in America about the meaning of life, and they reported that the top three answers were family, career, and money. The thing is, none of those three areas are inherently bad nor sinful. They're actually all good, and they can bring glory to God. But it's when any of those three areas of family, career, or money become more important than God that that is wrong. And Jesus makes it abundantly clear not to put this first area of family or relationships above him. In Luke 14, 26, where he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, and even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. In this passage, Jesus is not actually saying to hate your family, but he's using hyperbole to emphasize that your love for God should be so strong that it makes your love for your family look like hate in contrast to your love for God. And I can truly testify to this, as during my early years at Liberty, there was such a strong expectation and a strong desire for a relationship in a relationship that would lead to a family and to marriage. And I desired this so much that I was constantly seeking out this person and trying to find this relationship that my heart was so set on, to the point where it was edging God off his rightful place as my ultimate purpose in life. And this all culminated a few summers ago when I finally met that person and had that relationship that my heart had wanted for so long. And then that relationship ended. And I lost the person in that relationship that my heart was so set on. But glory to God, he used this heartbreak to open my eyes to the truth that he alone is my ultimate purpose in life. And it's not a family, and it's not a relationship, but him alone, to know him and his love. And what I learned through this trial is that it's so common and so easy for those of us within the church and those who are outside the church 
to seek out their ultimate purpose and meaning in life in family or relationships and not in God. But it is so important that we remember the teaching of our Lord Jesus that he alone is first and God alone is our ultimate meaning and purpose in life. And if we come back to our passage from Philippians chapter 3, when we take a look at verse 8, we see this. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So now we see the reality of Paul's worldview change. Before Christ, his purpose was in his own acts of self-righteousness. But now, now that he's in Christ, his ultimate purpose is to know God and to know Christ. And what Paul is saying here in verse 8 is essentially that the entire life that he had lived prior to Christ, all of his acts of self-righteousness and his accolades, he now considers them as loss and meaningless after his worldview of life changed. But the American secular worldview does not preach the same message. America today wants you to stake your ultimate purpose in career and money and not to consider your accomplishments as lost next to Christ, but to consider them as your God over Christ. And this will never leave you satisfied because we were created for God alone to be our God. And whenever we try to put something else in the place of God, it will never fulfill that deep desire within our souls for the Lord. However, so often in the world today, like Paul, people are boasting in their career and their accomplishments and believe that their reason for existence is to be successful in their career and to accomplish much and to leave a legacy for themselves. A great example of this is character Tony Stark from the Marvel movies. And if you don't know who Tony Stark is, he is the Iron Man and he is played by Robert Downey Jr. And early on in the movies, we see Tony as a man whose life and ultimate purpose is to make much of himself to be successful, to make a lot of money. And in the 2012 movie, The Avengers, Tony Stark and Captain America are having a heated conversation and it leads to Captain America questioning who Tony is outside of Iron Man, who he is outside of the suit, and responds by saying, genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. Wow, <laughs> that kind of perspective sounds a lot like Paul in Philippians 3. While fictional, Tony Stark's ultimate meaning and purpose in life was in his success, his accomplishments, his money, and he did everything in life to make much of himself. And this is not what God created us for. He did not create us to bow down and worship our family or worship our career or to worship our money, but he created us to worship him through our careers, through our money, and through our families. And while many people in America today may not have those kinds of accolades like Tony Stark to boast in, it is so common for Americans to be uh, staking their ultimate purpose and goal in life in their career and their vocational success and not in the amazing work of Christ. But as you see in Philippians 3, it is Christ alone and the salvation that we have in him that our meaning is found. And Paul goes on in verses 9 to 10 to talk about this salvation that he has in Christ. And starting in verse 9, it says this, <clears throat> And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, and the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection. And Paul talks about how all these accolades that he once considered gain, I'm sorry, he considered all these uh, accolades um, 
sorry, Paul talks about all these accolades that he once considered gain to now be lost so that he may gain Christ and to know him. Again, we truly see that Paul has a major worldview shift with regards to his purpose in life. He shifts from viewing his purpose in life being to accomplish things in the flesh to forsaking all and only wanting to gain Christ and to know him. And learning what it means to know Christ is a lifelong journey. It's a lifetime of believing him, trusting him, following him, and being his disciple. And to clarify what it means to know Christ, it is so essential that we remember what the foundation and the root of knowing Christ is found upon. And that would be the gospel, that we come to know Christ by faith, trusting that he alone is our salvation, that there is nothing that we can or could ever do to save ourselves, that Jesus came down to the earth to complete our salvation for us through his death and his resurrection to give us eternal life and a restored relationship with him. And it's by God's grace that we first come to know him and it is by God's grace that we spend a lifetime knowing him and following him. As we see in Romans 8.30, which says this, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. <clears throat> but after we remind ourselves of how we first come to know Christ and to know God and what carries us along in a lifetime of knowing him, what does this actually look like? Well, knowing Christ is spending time with God in prayer. Prayer is a time intimately alone with God the Father, seeking his face, talking with the Lord, a heart-filled longing for the Lord and a dependence on God for everything. And we see this in the life of Jesus, who would get up early in the mornings to be alone with God the Father in prayer. And repeatedly throughout the New Testament where it talks about being constant in prayer and praying without ceasing. Knowing Christ is spending time in his word, meditating on the scriptures to get to know God, his character, and his promises in the life that we now have in him. And we see this in Colossians 3, which says to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And in Psalm 119, that says to let the word of God is a lamp for your feet and a light for your path. Knowing Christ is walking with him each day growing in grace and becoming more and more like Christ through the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. And we see this in 2 Peter 3, which says to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. And in Colossians 3, which talks about putting to death sin and putting on Christ-likeness. And if we take one more look in Philippians chapter 3, and we come to verse 10, we see this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Wow. Paul says that we can know Christ and the power of his resurrection through sharing in his sufferings. But what does this mean to know him and his resurrection and to share in his sufferings? Well, if we look to Jesus, he suffered and he died on a cross for our sins. And so suffering as believers is an opportunity to share in Christ's sufferings and to taste what it was like for Christ to suffer on the cross in our place for our sins. It's an opportunity to know God more and what he went through and to grow closer to him. And suffering makes it clear that knowing God is not just a duty-based religion that we can throw into a box, 
but knowing God is walking with him through life. And it does not stop after we go to church and we have our devotional time with God. It's walking with God through work and going to work and walking with God each day through the highs and the lows of the office. It's walking with God through the rigors of high school. It's walking with God through the hardship of loss in life. It's walking with God through every season, every chapter, and every day of life. Church, God wants us to know him. He wants us to know him so much that he has revealed himself in his word, and he went so far as to give up his only son so that we can be saved from our sins and come to know him as our Lord and our Savior. The unfortunate reality is that the world does not want God to be made known and rejects God, everything about him, and is not looking to the cross for their ultimate meaning and purpose in life. And this leads us to our second meaning and purpose in the biblical worldview, which is to make God known. And as we talk about what it means to make God known, we'll be continuing in Philippians, and we'll be jumping back to chapter 1 for verses 21 to to 25, which says this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. And so Paul is completely dead to himself here. He says that if he is to live, that it will be for Christ. And if he is to die, well, that will actually be better so that he could be with Christ. And in verse 23, Paul says that his desire is to to depart and be with Christ. And so what he's literally saying here is that he would like to die so that he could be with Christ. But there is something that is more important than that and is holding him back and is more important than his own desire to be with Christ. And what is it? Well, let's take another look at verses 24 and 25. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. And so right there, right there, we see that it's actually more important for him to be on the earth for their account, the Philippian church, and that it's more important for Paul to be with them for their joy and their progress in the faith. Commentator Frank Thielman says this about this passage. Continued life is fruitful labor for, because it means that Paul will be able to both to preach the gospel and strengthen the Philippians' faith. And so for Paul to go on living is fruitful labor, not kicking back and doing nothing, but to be on mission for the kingdom of God and the ministry that, Paul, that God has given Paul with the Philippian church. And this completely goes against the American secular worldview today. America is built so that you will not do this. Our culture today is all about the self, loving yourself, glorifying yourself, praising yourself, and loving yourself before others. And this is not right. Our country has been swept up into the selfie generation and a culture that puts the self in place of God. And this is wrong. Why is this wrong? It's because we are not worthy of being God. 
that we are not worthy of being worshipped. But who is? It is God and God alone, the great I Am. So it becomes clear that our country today revolves around the self. But as you see in Philippians 1, Paul is saying, no, myself is not my ultimate purpose. It is for my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave up his life on a cross for me and serving God by making Christ known amongst the Philippians through their progress and their joy in the faith. And Jesus makes his call to proclaim his name abundantly clear in his words before he ascends into heaven. In Matthew 28, Jesus says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And then in Mark 16, where Jesus says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And lastly, in Luke 24, where Jesus says, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wants us to share him with the world, to share the gospel, to make disciples, and to make God known in a world that is dying. Jesus makes his call so clear, but for me, and I don't think I'm the only one, I find this very, very hard. Last fall, I had the opportunity to talk with a professor of mine from Liberty about this topic. We were talking about how to navigate the area of sharing the gospel and making disciples in our lives as believers. And he pointed it towards something that I had never considered before. He didn't point it to duty or to fear, quite the opposite. He pointed it to love. My professor said how in life, when we talk with other people, that we take joy we love talking about our loved ones with others. And for me, in my life, the best example of this would be my nieces and nephews. I have seven of them and I have one more on the way. I just love them so much. I love talking about them, bragging about them. Whenever I get to know someone for, their, for, for the first time, I always show pictures of them and videos of them. I love it. And why is this? It's because I love them. I love talking about them, and I love sharing them with others. And it's the same with Jesus. Love for Jesus should lead to us talking with others about Jesus, making him known and sharing him with others. But the unfortunate reality is that the American secular worldview does not want God to be made known. A great example of this is when NFL tight end Benjamin Watson was being interviewed about racial injustice. And he was pointing the answer to the gospel. Watson was boldly proclaiming Christ on live TV. And then, all of a sudden, they lost connection to him. And the interviewer says, oh, and just like that, we lost him. Did they lose connection to him? Did they just happen to lose connection to him right when he starts talking about Jesus? I think that we can all agree that they did not lose connection to him. They cut him off because Jesus Christ was being proclaimed. The gospel was being made known. This, this is the reality of the world that we live in. The world rejects God and does not honor him as God. But church, this should only further open our eyes to the reality of the condition and the heartbreaking reality of this world. That this world is dying and this world needs God. 
And we as the church have to take the hope of the gospel into this dying and broken world. And while the world doesn't want to know Christ, the world needs Christ. As we talk about other worldviews, it becomes so clear that other people's meaning in life is lost and they need our hope of God. Whether it's money, career, family, relationships, or self-righteousness, those of the world are seeking their ultimate meaning and purpose in life in all the wrong places. Blaise Pascal put it best when he said, There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we all have people in our lives that still have that God-shaped hole in their hearts and are constantly trying to stuff it with all the wrong things. And God has called all of us to different areas in life, different roles in life. He has placed different people in our lives before us, whether it's family members, friends, co-workers, teammates, neighbors, wherever God has placed us in this world, that is our mission field. For some, it's overseas, bringing the gospel to other nations, making Jesus known in other countries. For many, it's working nine to five in the corporate world, being a light for Christ, living out the gospel in love towards others in the workplace, and making disciples for God right here in America. For others, it's staying at home, taking care of the kids, being a parent that loves their children like Christ, raising them up in the faith, teaching them about God, and leading a family that is on mission for the kingdom of God right here in America. We all have a different mission field, but we all have the exact same mission, and that's to make Jesus Christ known. So at this time, I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up. And as we conclude our time here today, I'm reminded of a story from my sophomore year at Liberty. My sophomore year, I lived on a community-style hall with 60 other guys, and I was just waking up in the early morning. I was tired. I was half asleep. Didn't really know what was going on. But then I was walking out in the hall, caught the eye of the janitor, and I saw him come in my direction. He had a mop in hand. We got to chat. He asked me how I was doing. He said hi. And then what he said next to me has really stuck in my heart to this day. And what he said to me was this, that it's all about Jesus, everything. It's all about Jesus. And I think that this is the same simple and true reminder that we all need to carry with us daily, that it's all about Jesus, everything. It's all about Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we just come before you today. We just acknowledge that none of us in here or online are worthy. We are not worthy of your love. We are not worthy of your salvation. But you love us anyway. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you love us despite our sin. We thank you for your holiness and your grace and your mercy. And we pray that the lives that we live in this salvation that you have given us may be to know you more, to grow closer to you, to seek your face to make you known, to go to others and to share your love, your grace, and your gospel in this world that we live in. Please turn our eyes away from the things of this world. Turn our eyes away from our failures. 
turn our eyes away from our unworthiness and fix our eyes on Jesus, on the cross, lifted up for our salvation and our redemption and our forgiveness. God, we pray that you alone may be glorified through our lives. We love you and we thank you for your grace. Pray this all in your name. Amen.